Hey, Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to the final installment of the Evansdale Murders. Yeah, it's been quite a whirlwind, Emily. And today we have Drew Collins, the father of Elizabeth Collins, on with us. Well, on with you, because life circumstances made it so I could not participate (laughs) in the interview. But I was going to ask you about that. So we were all ready to go. And then I was texting you. I was calling you and I couldn't get a hold of you. And I assumed you were sleeping. Yeah, that's because I was sleeping. But in my defense, I was awake when we called like the first time. Yeah. So like that whole day just kind of <laughs> went wrong for everybody. Well, and w- what baffled me is you said you fell asleep watching Stranger Things, which I can't fathom because the new Stranger Things is so good. I know it is super good. Like I was just I was just like chilling on the couch watching Stranger Things. And I was, I was, I was kind of like laying down, but not where I was like half laying down. And then next thing I knew, my toddler was like, blah, 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 blah. and I was like, what? what year is it? And I looked and I saw all of your text messages and missed calls. Whoops. And I was like, oh, two well. hours later, I missed that one. <laughs> So you'll get to listen. You'll get to listen along with everybody else. I know, and I'm super excited about that. Um, but and I'm really bummed that I didn't get to talk to him. Um, but I'm sure you did a great job. And after the interview, I have a palate cleanser, which um, we're going to be talking about a case, a murder, actually, that happened uh, right near where I live. And there was a lot of controversy surrounding it about like the sentencing, the charges, and some other, you know, kind of aspects of what happened. So we will get into that after the interview. Looking forward to that. It's a rare Friday version of unnatural and we'll get into it with the interview with drew collins right now tomorrow marks one year since two evansdale cousins disappeared on july 13th remembering two girls gone too soon and reminding everyone their killer has not been found lyric cook Evansdale cousins lyric cook and elizabeth collins disappeared in july of 2012 their bodies their main suspect off the list of people who could be behind the police have been searching for a killer and tonight they know he's still out there 10 year old lyric cook and eight year old here with Drew Collins, the father of Elizabeth Collins. And Drew, first of all, thanks for giving us your time here. Sure. 10 years. Is it hard to believe that it's been 10 years? Yeah, it really feels fresh to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. A time went on for, I think, everybody else. Uh, I think if this kind of thing happens to you, uh, time kind of stands still at, at that point. Yeah, it's almost frozen for you, and it moves on for the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I read in numerous places that you've kind of always thought that the perpetrator might be somebody local. Is that correct, and do you still feel that way? I do, just because of 
where the bikes were found um, and uh, where Seven Bridges, where their bodies were found, is <clears throat> both of those places are kind of uh, tucked away, out of the way. Yeah, it almost seems like it would be somebody who was pretty familiar with Seven Bridges. And somebody that uh, I think wouldn't stand out. Yeah. I mean, I got lots of th- lots of theories, but, um, you know, it's just as hard to hard to believe that somebody could come into this area that wasn't from here yeah. and find that little spot down on Arbutus road for right. one to hide the bikes or to take them from there. And two, seven bridges where their bodies were found. It, it's very, uh, off the beaten path. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the area and I barely knew about the place. Um, yeah, I had heard of it, but I never knew where it was. All this happened. Yeah. I've been here since 85 or 86. Right. Um, I remember when I was living there, there were so many crazy theories and stuff. And I'm sure that you heard a lot of them. Did that ever kind of get to you? Did it piss you off? Did you just say, hey, enough with this? Did, Did you just try and tune it out there? Because for a while it got really crazy with some of those theories. I never... I never won't listen to a theory. Yeah. Um, or somebody tell me something, even though, you know, a lot of times after, um, it brings up a lot of things inside of you when you hear stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm sure it's not good for me to listen to some of the things that people say, but, um, I've never steered clear of it. I've always kind of, um, tried to uh, listen uh, to what everybody has to say. So I don't want to, I don't want to like have somebody come to me with what really happened and blow them off. Right. Yeah. And Cause then later go, Oh my God. Yeah. Because you never know. I mean, it, it could be the one where you finally get, you know, some light shed on it. Um, so yeah. I've had, I mean, I've had some real crazy uh, things come my way from different people that, have theories so yeah uh, you just kind of try to listen and and then kind of you can a lot of times you can there's nothing to bite on you know yeah um well and i think it's because there's so much emotion there's so much emotion involved in this case and everybody that you know lived in the area at the time they they still feel invested in it and I think that's why there's just so many different things out there that are floating around because we still haven't gotten a conclusion to it. And I guess that leads me to my next question for you. Do you think this case is still kind of on the front burner for local law enforcement? Uh, You know, even though we've had um, a lot of other cases come and go and um, in our area, this is a really big case. Um, I believe it's the biggest, um, as far as amount of money and resources they put into a case. It's, I believe, one of the biggest cases in Iowa history, if not the biggest. So, I mean, and then a lot of people have, um, you know, they feel close to this case because it's just two little girls. Yeah. Um, And I I think that hits a lot of people. Like, if two little girls can uh, disappear and uh be murdered and nobody nobody is arrested it's it kind of it's scary it is 
Uh, you so, I mean, <clears throat> I think people realize this person is still out there. And uh, I think it concerns a lot of people. Are you still as confident as you were 10 years ago back then that the killer or killers will be brought to justice? Um, yeah, I, I have that. Always keep that hope. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what kind of drives me is that's, you know, that's what I, I that's where I want to see it go. So that's kind of what I push for. So um, I do think that technology is going to be on our side. Um, that person, I don't know whether it was at the bikes or somewhere along the line made, made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and as time goes, uh, technology changes. It's not going to change in their favor. It's changing in our favor. So, you know, kind of my attitude since the beginning, at the end of every day, um, I just kind of, I, I say to myself, it's not today, but you know, there's tomorrow. So. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. I was um, reading some of the FBI behavioral analysis from back then and when they were trying to profile the person. And one of them stood out to me. It said that um, more or less that the person may have used quiet coercion. And for our listeners, basically that means they kind of tricked the girls to get in their vehicle. Is that what you think may have happened? You know, I have no, I have nothing. They know more than I do, so yeah. I have nothing to base that on. But I mean, that's based on a lot of things. Um, the fact that nobody saw or heard, I'm sure, goes into that. But I think that's a pretty good assumption. Um, mm-hmm. Like, oh, my, my dogs. Help me find my dog or my cat or yeah, uh, you know, my 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 son's missing. Could you help me find him? They would have helped, right? Um. Oh yeah, that definitely could be how they were taken. Yeah, I, and another way they could have been taken, I've I've thought, um, is if one girl would have been grabbed. Um, the other, I think the other probably would not have left the other one. Yeah, yeah, because they were so close to each other. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's just they loved each other very much. Yeah, and you can tell that just in the in the pictures of them and. Man, I, I got a chance to make it out uh, about a year ago to Angels Park for the first time I had been there. And th- the way it was transformed, because, I mean, I, I used to ride my bike around Myers Lake as a kid all the time. And um, I think they just did a wonderful job with that. Um, w- what are your impressions with the park? And is it is it easy for you to go there or is it tough for you? Uh, it kind of just depends on where I'm at. Yeah. Some days are harder than others. Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel like going to the cemetery. Some mm. days I, I go to Seven Bridges. Yeah. Sometimes I just like to just go to the park, and um, usually I'll uh, I'll go over there and I I just go through and I read all the plaques of all the different kids, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of I think when it, when I do that it kind of helps me um, kind of get focused. Yeah. Um, I look at all the other families. I look at all these kids and um, it gives me a little bit of strength knowing I'm not alone. I'm not the only one fighting this fight. Yeah. Um, 
there's a lot of other families that uh, have been waiting a lot longer for answers than, than me mm-hmm. and, and our family. So uh, it just depends where I'm at. I have times where I'm there a lot, and I have times where I'm not there for a while. Just it changes. Yeah, I'm sure it does. It, it does have to give you a good feeling knowing that their legacy is what has you know built that essentially and probably has helped a lot of other people in the years to come that we didn't even know about. I know there have been a lot of programs started uh, around the area since then, and it's probably helped a lot of little kids. I hope so. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think um, just kids knowing, and we do a we do the motorcycle ride to help fund the park. Yeah. Uh, it also funds Crime Stoppers, uh, Cedar Valley Crime Stoppers. So we've got to do um, put a lot back into the community um, as far as child safety, and just letting kids know um, not to talk to strangers and and um, just other little things that that um, kids need to know about strangers and stuff. So yeah, and that that memorial ride and drive that's coming up in July, right? Yeah, this year it's going to be July sixteenth. Mm-hmm. That's great. And um, obviously, how can people help if they're not in the immediate area? They can help Cedar Valley Crime Stoppers, I'm guessing, correct? Absolutely. They can go to the Cedar Valley Crime Stoppers um, Facebook site. And um, why we like to help them is because, you know, if they have a missing sex offender in our area, we can place... Uh, rewards out for those people and because uh, you know some of those guys they'll move yeah or and they're supposed to you know um, when they move go through all this process of so everybody knows where they're at but a lot of times they they try to cheat the system and we can't find them and we want to know where they're at mm-hmm. it's very important we know where they're at and we keep track of them kind of people because for one we need to know what they're doing uh, make sure they're not on uh, social medias, stuff like that. And then if something does happen with the kid, then we can we can locate them immediately. And, or the police can, I should say. The police could locate them immediately. Um, and a lot of times they don't they don't comply. So we can use use that money to uh, put rewards out on those people. Yeah. And speaking of reward, what is the uh, reward up to now with uh, Cedar Valley Crime Stoppers? Am I right? Is it 150000 I think it's something like that, yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh, again, folks can check out their websites and their Facebook page for more information on that. Well, Drew, I I got one more question for you. And what do you want the world to remember most about your daughter? Oh, gosh. Just what a wonderful person she was. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... She really was just very warm, very sweet, always smiling, very loving. Um, and our kids should be able to play and not be taken and, and not be abused and not be exploited, I guess. Um, our kids should be able to be kids and not live in fear. And parents, um, we just have to do a better job of, of watching them because they're not safe. Uh, don't think for a minute you can let your kids go out, even in pairs. Mm-hmm. We have to, because of 
the way society is, we have to watch them 24 seven. We can't, we can't let our eye off of them because these people that do this kind of thing, they're just waiting for that opportunity where no one's around and no one, no one can see what they're doing because they obviously don't want to be seen and they'll take advantage of that uh, moment that they get because they're sick. So we just have to, we just have to keep, keep an eye out on our kids and be vigilant. Mm -hmm. Very well said. Very well said. Well, Drew Collins, thank you so much for giving us your time here and wishing, hoping, praying that justice will someday be served to the person or persons that uh, committed this heinous act. Thank you so much, Drew. Now it's time for the Unnatural Palate Cleanse. Okay, I'm going to ask you something, and I want you to be honest. What is a palate? Where Emily and Andy bring you their own unique and offbeat tales of intrigue from around the world today. So, for this palate cleanse, Andy, I am just going to... Um, read you a news article from the newspaper that I work at and it'll just give some very vague kind of background information about what happened and I without giving too much away with giving you my thoughts I want to know what you think are you ready okay I'm ready to go okay so this is an article from the paper that I work at Um, Please don't sue me. It reads, quote, A Minneapolis man has been charged in the shooting death of an Owatonna acquaintance in his Minneapolis home last week. Travis Patrick Wade Leonard, 23, of Minneapolis, was charged in Hennepin County with second-degree murder and first-degree manslaughter charges, both felonies, on Monday in the September 24th death of Dylan Latchery, 23. The most serious charge, second-degree murder, carries a maximum sentence of 40 years in prison. Leonard's bail was set at $1 million, and he was being held at the Hennepin County Jail, blah, blah, blah. An autopsy determined that Latchery had been shot once in the back and once in the back of the head, according to the criminal complaint. Latchery graduated from Owatonna High School in 2015. Family and friends have posted on social media that they remember him as someone who loved adventures and was quick to make friends and had a quote-unquote kind soul. According to the criminal complaint, officers responded to Leonard's Minneapolis home at 10.54 p.m. after Leonard called 911 to report that someone had broken into his home and that he shot the intruder. When officers arrived, they found Latry not breathing on the floor near the back door. Officers found a hatchet in Latry's hand. During a search of the home, officers located a sheath covering to the hatchet outside Leonard's upstairs bedroom and Leonard's firearm on the closet floor. 
The officers also found a safe in the closet with $13,000 in cash outside of it and a suitcase containing marijuana and THC wax in an adjacent room. Digital scales and other drug paraphernalia were located throughout the house. Leonard initially told police that he didn't know Latry prior to the incident. He said he and his wife and child were in bed when they saw him in the doorway holding the hatchet and asking where the money was. Leonard said he fought with Latry, falling down the stairs and continuing to fight in the home's main level. He said Latry swung the hatchet at him and described a struggle in which Latry had the upper hand. Leonard said he called for his wife to get his gun. He said he shot Latry in the stomach and in the head during the fight. However, Leonard's wife told police that she saw Leonard pinning him on the ground and beating him when she brought him the gun. She described a fight where Leonard had the upper hand. She said Leonard told her to shoot Latry and she refused, handing the gun to Leonard. She then went back upstairs and heard one gunshot. She said she heard Latry telling Leonard to end his life and then heard a second gunshot. When police confronted Leonard about the inconsistencies, he admitted that he knew Latry and that he had sold him marijuana in the past. He said he stopped talking to him a month earlier because he suggested that the two of them begin rub- robbing drug dealers. Leonard maintained that he shot Latry in the stomach while they were struggling and then hit him in the head several times with the gun. Leonard said he realized it was Latry at, the po- at that point and told him to leave the house. Leonard said that Latry replied that he couldn't walk or feel his legs and told Leonard, just end me, just end me now. Leonard admitted that he shot Latry in the back of the head and put the hatchet in Latry's hand to make it look like he was still a threat. He also admitted that he went upstairs afterwards and began hiding his marijuana before calling the police. Well, that sounds like some bullshit. Yeah. But here's where the kind of controversy comes in. But let me let me just know, like, your overall thoughts of the charges and the story. Well, my thoughts is, especially when the wife didn't corroborate his story, that's where you were like, okay, sounds like the guy's full of shit. And the fact that he put the hatchet in the other guy's hand, that also seems like he's trying to cover something up. I don't. Is it confirmed that this guy was trying to rob him? Do we know? Or I think is, so. Okay. Yeah. And right there, I mean, if somebody's in your house and they're breaking in and they're trying to rob you, you certainly have the right to defend yourself and defend your property. That's for sure. But it does seem like this guy might have gone a little extreme here. Just just my initial thoughts. Yeah, so that's kind of where a lot of the controversy came from. Because, you know, certainly you have the right to defend your property in your home, especially your wife and kid, right? Right. But on the other hand, it really seems like he almost even admitted to executing him after he was already down and on the ground. Yeah, like he wanted to... He was so pissed off that this guy had entered his home, he wanted to end this guy, it sounds like, in any way possible. Because he he shot him twice, right? Is that right? 
Yeah, like the way the story goes is he shot him once and he went down. And then both the wife and um, Travis Leonard say that um, the deceased said, I can't move, just end me. And then he shot him again. Hmm. So, like, some people are saying he shouldn't have been charged with murder at all because he was acting in self-defense. But then other people argue, no, because you, like, you admit you had him down and you had shot him. And then you shoot him in the back of the head, effectively killing him. And then you go and try and hide all of... Your drugs. It's crazy. Before you call the police. Yeah. It's just, I know it's hard to put yourself in the position of somebody else, especially if you've never been in that situation before, which let's face it, most of us haven't. Thank thank God. Right. But sometimes with some people, anger gets the best of you. It's, It's probably the most pure emotion that there is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're so angry at someone and so pissed off, even though you're justified at doing one thing, you might take it overboard and go to the extreme. And maybe it sounds like that's what he did. I'm not justifying what uh, Lattery did. Obviously, breaking into someone's home, you should maybe know that there's going to be some consequences. Right. But... The question is, does that justify just cold-blooded murder? Right. It's a fine line. It is a super fine line, which is why I thought it would be interesting to discuss. I mean, I think the whole situation all around is very sad because a young man lost his life. You know, he may not have been making the best life choices but you know does that mean he deserves to die and then we have this other guy who is going to spend a considerable amount of time in prison and now he has to live with the fact that he killed somebody well i was gonna ask so is this in the families right is this case like has it gone to trial? Is the guy already in prison? What's going on right now? Well, according to my newspaper, he entered a plea agreement in March of this year, and he pleaded guilty to first-degree manslaughter. And then, as per the plea agreement, the charge of second-degree murder was dismissed. Okay. So he's going to be in prison for a few years. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. It sounds like there was um, a good bit of evidence that was suppressed. Hmm. Such as like statements that he made to investigators. But like other than this, um, Travis only had like minor infractions like like he wasn't consistently in trouble sounds like which is really sad but i mean you know it sounds like 
to me, it sounds like he just made a horrible, rash decision in the heat of the moment. And now he has to pay for, oh, here, five years. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so um, he has to spend, because of the plea deal and pleading guilty to the lesser charge, he was sentenced to five years because that was another thing of controversy too was is five years enough or is five years too much? Right. This is one of those cases where it could go either way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you think he was acting in self-defense, five years is too much. But if you think that he just executed this young man in maybe cold blood. Right. When he already had him down. Yeah. Yeah. Then is five years enough? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's kind of one of those slippery. It's really one of those kind of like double edged swords. Yeah. I think, you know, because, you know, neither of us were there and we can really only go off of Travis and his wife's side of the story, but even their sides of the story make it seem like they knew he was down. He didn't He didn't have the hatchet in his hand. If he even had the hatchet to begin with, I don't know. Right. And then it's like he shot him in the back and then he's saying, I can't move. So, and then he just shoots him again. The fact that he put the hatchet back in his hand after he killed him. Yeah. That's what gets me. Yeah. You know, because if you're innocent, you don't do stuff like that. Yeah. And then he waited however long to call 911 because he was too busy trying to hide his drugs. Right. Which obviously he didn't do a very good job because the police found all of it unless (laughs) there was more that they didn't find. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. One of those cases where it could go either way. Yeah. I think, you know, regardless of what actually happened and the plea deal and, and whatnot. And I think the reason I would have to venture a guess, the reason why they let him take that plea deal with such a small sentence is because he didn't have much of anything on his record. Right. Prior to, you know, I feel like if he had a lot of like violent criminal history, this would be a different story. Yeah. But then kind of as we've seen with some other people now, I'm certainly not saying that this is what's going to happen. But, you know, there's there's a lot of people out in the world where they do something really shitty. They get a slap on the wrist and then they do something even more shitty. Yeah. And then they think, well, I got away with it the first time I can do it again. Well, let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope not. Let's hope Travis spends his five years in prison making better choices. And then when he gets out, he can just be a better person for his family. And I, I, I hope he has remorse because just from the facts that we know, it kind of... 
It sounds really fucked up. Does sound fucked up. But you know what's not fucked up? Our social media pages. You got it. I did. Come hang out with us on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts about this palate cleanser case. Um, our Twitter is Unnatural the Pod. Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast. Our Facebook page is Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us a Gmail, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, share us with your friends. And if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, send us a screenshot to any of the above-mentioned social media pages. We will um, mail you a free sticker. You know who should get a free sticker? Drew Collins. Shout out to Drew Collins for doing this interview with us today. And... Emily, I can't wait for you to hear it and the rest of our audience. I know. I'm so excited. In the meantime, remember to make good choices. And don't get got. Bye. you then as always make sure uh nope (laughs) (laughs) one more time make good choices and don't get got bye make sure what ready to go and then what happened well we were all ready to go what just happened there oh my phone is not on silent